Welcome to today's study with Pastor Rick. Reaching thousands around the world by radio and online, Pastor Rick provides answers to the challenges of everyday living. Hi, this is Pastor Rick. Today we talk about fighting for a blessable future. I want to take you on a journey in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 19, and I want to show you how Paul fought for his life, the things he thought were important, the things he saw in us. While looking at a Roman soldier, he painted a picture that tells us how we should fight. Then I want to close and show you things you should fight for, some practical things you should fight for in your life. Buckle up, it's going to be a great journey, learn how to fight for your future. What is the one thing in your life right now that you need to fight for? I've learned that some things just don't come freely. Nothing um, of great value is often done without great sacrifice. In the book of Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10, Paul raises some very interesting questions for us. He really shows us, answers some questions for us more than anything. Today's topic, repeat it with me, please say fighting for a blessable future. The word blessable has been our focus for the last several weeks. And I believe everybody is not blessable. God can't prosper in advance. Everybody. You met people like this. You try, you talk to them, you ask questions, you try to grab them around the collar and say, hey, you know, you're listening to me. Try to get their attention. And nothing you do turns them around. And and for a season of your life, sometimes you can be unblessable. If you go back and look at your life and ask yourself, at what age was I the most difficult to deal with? There are seasons you must fight through because they are just difficult seasons. And learning how to manage those seasons and learning how to Realize this is just a season where I have a class that I must fight through. This is a season when I, as a parent, must fight through. And sometimes it's children. It's not just parents. Children have to fight through your growth, too. You've never done this before. Not like, not with this person. Sometimes you have to be careful that if you've had several children that you think every child is the same. They're not. This one's a genius, locked in a box of emotion, trying to break out on you. And so you have to understand that there's a fight season. You're on a job that's just not going to be easy. You can't be president and it'd be easy. It's not a job you get because you want an easy job. There's some jobs, some, some moments in this job as a pastor. You know, I, I mean, it's, it's, I have to fight through. If I'm preaching and it's not going well and, you know, oh man, let me just go sit down. But you can't. You have three more sermons to do in a row. Multiple services, I was telling one of our assistants, it changes everything when you preach three and four times in a row. You, I used to forget the first time I did it, I, I forgot whether I'd given the example or not. I used to forget where I was in the message. Did I already say that? Something You already said that. I know, two times. It took me a while to learn how to segregate each service in my head and not get confused. There are moments in life when it's not easy. It's not easy. There's a moment when you have to back up and say, It's getting to me. My goal today is to show you how Paul fought. Paul fought for certain things in his life, and he gives us a list of them. And there's a list of 10 things I'm going to say. He said nine. I threw in a bonus 10, but I'm not going to take long. I promise you, this is going to take just a few minutes. 
And then I'm going to close, and this is what I want to close at, the four things I want you to focus on. There are four things I think that you should fight for in your life. And so look with me, if you would, please. Let me quickly work through this. Let me start by reading the text. Let me just read the text for you. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be what? Strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And you'll notice as you read through your notes, I have it all it's under each point. So just kind of read through with me. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's why you put it on. Verse 12, for we do not, important, wrestle with flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand, verse 14. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, verse 15, and having shod or fitted your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith, important, which you will be able, with which you will be able, rather, to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, final verse, praying how often? always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful and so on. Now, I want you to notice for a second, in listing, in going through this, Paul summarizes what he sees as he sits in this prison and he looks up and he sees a soldier. And there's this thought going through his mind. That's how we should fight. And the first thing I want you to notice in the list is he says you first should be strong. You should fight to be a strong person. There's something about deciding you're going to be strong, making a decision. I am going to be strong. Say it with me, please. Come on. I am going to be strong. That's not something somebody can decide for you. You get to the place that you don't want to be where you are. Secondly, Paul thought to be a fully prepared person, put on the whole armor. I'm not just going to be half-dressed. I'm going to put on all I'm supposed to put on. Thirdly, he said, I fight the fight that I'm supposed to fight. He fought to fight the real, the right fight. Say that with me, come on. He fought to fight the right fight. We do not wrestle against cousins and uncles and nephews, bosses and people around us. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not your husband, it's not your wife. It's principalities, it's powers, it's a spiritual warfare. Your fight is not who you think the fight is with. Do you really think a person messed up your family that well? Mm -mm. there's a spiritual attack on your life fourthly he fought to be a tough person I love this in verse 13 therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to big word withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand stand there are times in your life you just have to be tough there are times in your life when the only thing you can do is be tough is just stand then he goes on and says, he fought to be a truthful person. I did a lot of teaching on this already. Verse 14, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Be transparent, he says. Number six, he says, he fought to be a progressive, progressing person. Your feet should be fitted and prepared and ready to go with the gospel. You should be ready to go, prepared person. A lot of times, God wants you to be a progressively prepared person. And sometimes you're not. How, 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 how much do you do? Are your feet moving? 
I love the way he, he looks at the soldier's feet and says, he's ready to go. Progression is important. Moving is important in your life. Verse 16, he fought to be a confident person. Take the shield of faith. The shield of faith. You, you, you can have all the confidence you want to in me. You can say I'm a great pastor, but what do you believe about yourself and your walk with God? Do you, do you have the a capacity to believe that God is with you? That's what the shield of faith is about. It's confidence in God. You hold it up when doubt comes. And he fought to be, I love this, number eight, he fought to be a mentally protected person. So number one, he fought to be a strong person. Number two, he fought to be fully prepared. Number three, he fought to, to fight the right fight. Number four, he fought to be a tough person. Number five, he fought to be a truthful person. Number six, he fought to be a progressing person. His feet were already always ready to move. Number seven, he fought to be a confident person. He had his own shield of faith. And number eight, he fought to be a mentally prepared person. You know, it's amazing when you, when you teach something a thousand times, you, you forget one. He, he, fought, he fought, I love this now, this is, this is a bonus, you ready? After the third time I've thought this. He fought to not only have a shield, but a sword. He was prepared to be offensive. He was, he was prepared to strike. He fought to be mentally protected. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You know, the word of God will help you stay sane in your mind. The helmet and the sword. What's going on in your mind? I woke up this morning and the most negative thoughts flooded my mind. I said, stop it. There was no need to think those thoughts. I, I, I did. I took charge of them. I was putting some clothes in the laundry. And I said, in Jesus' name, I do not wake up with that on my mind. Because it was already taken care of anyway. But it's amazing how our minds can get so out of whack. And then this is my bonus. He fought to be a praying person. Praying always. And then lastly, I threw this in. He fought to be a blessable person. Now my question is, in your life, what should you fight for? That's what Paul fought for. Let me, let me show you four things I want you to take home with you that might be important for you to think about. The first thing I want you to fight for is a mission focus. I want you to decide what your mission in life should be. What is the one thing you should do in life until you die? What is your purpose? Do you have a clear mental picture of your purpose, your mission? My mission is simple. I have four things that I do. Our church, if you join our church, you've heard these four things. My first assignment, I believe in life, is to reach people. People. You're my, you're my mission. Find ways, create ways, podcasts, radio, television. We're considering that again. All these things we're doing is because my job is not to sit back and just exist. I am supposed to find ways to reach you. Second thing I'm supposed to do is teach people. Find ways to, to help educate. A judge stopped me just the other day and said, hey, what do you think, Rick, about all that you see going on around our community? And he wants to get together and talk with another judge and, and, what, and this brainstorm, ways that we can help. I feel I should teach people. And then thirdly, I should help people grow, grow people. 
Not just teach them. I need to see you move from first grade to second grade to third grade. Then here's the fourth one. I'm called to serve people. It's not about me. When you understand your purpose in life, when you get up in the morning, because imagine, you're okay. Imagine this. You're okay. Can we just get you off the table for a minute? Your needs, your wants, anything you desire, anything you didn't get, can for a minute just slide you to the side and imagine your purpose is to serve somebody else. That's what this is about. It's my mission in life. What's yours? What do you get up in the morning to do? So are you going to work just so the, this is cute. You go to work every day so you can pay your bills. Isn't that great? It's a great life, isn't it? God should be really excited that that's why you live. It's, it's, it's wonderful for you to talk about what you're going to get and what you're going to drive and you've got your little piece of metal with some paint on it and a few chairs in it and a little radio and you're awesome. You're blessed because you drive a piece of metal with some paint on it, a couple of chairs in it. You talking about my car? Yeah, I'm talking about your car. With the trash on the floor. You're not talking about no. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about your car. I'm talking about your car. Okay, your clean car. I'm not I like car. I like I like a clean car. I get all that, but I'm but put this in perspective. How do you how do you impress anybody who's omnipresent? He doesn't need a car. I'm everywhere at the same time. Now, that's a real car. <laughs> God is omnipresent everywhere at the same time. There's, not, there's nothing you will ever do in your life that gets you above being a servant. Jesus said, let the greatest among you be your servant. Our, our reason for existing as a church, the only reason we have a right to exist is because we serve. I mean, there's, there comes a moment when you imagine our life, if you could imagine that your life mission moved past you. You want to go to school so you can get a good job and you can get a good education so you can get money so you can buy stuff for you. Well, wow, isn't God impressed with that mission? Somebody who walks on golden streets. I think that's a signal. I don't care about your stuff. I walk on your, on your most impressive asset. If we as a church embrace this idea, he'll join us. I live to serve. This is not about me. This is about those patients who are laying in that hospital waiting for you to come. This is about those people that need your service. There's something about getting that. If you get it, that's a reason to bless you. Let me get to the second thing that I I want you to focus on. Not not just your mission, but your finances. I want you to develop a financial focus. Now, I'm going to surprise you when I say this because I think it's very easy to not get this part. Church works against you thinking this way. You don't like your preachers talking about money. You want your preachers to say nothing, especially when it comes to asking you to give. You love it when they don't talk. I love Pastor Rick. He don't say a thing. He just, this, the offense, two minutes. Just love it. Like that church. Now, but, but, but understand something. Here's what I believe. Your biggest problem 
Forget about giving for just a moment. Your biggest problem is finances are a a problem. They keep ringing in your soul. Your financial issues continually haunt you. Why don't you deal with this? Why don't you, for a moment, fight to get your mission in life clear in your mind and fight to focus on your finances? Why don't we get this right? Why don't we say, this year we're going to end this year right and start on a new path? We're going to stop living on credit cards. We're going to stop, we're going to stop this. You should say this. If you can pay for it in 30 days, use a credit card. No, if you don't have the money in the bank today, if you don't have the money in the bank today, if you're not careful, this is a trap you can't survive. And I, I've been able to survive my madness because of God's grace. But I'm telling you, it's a trap. It's a trap you can't get free from. I don't care how much money you make. It's not another 5000 you need. It's not another 10000 you need. I love something Oprah Winfrey says. She says, you think money is your problem, but it's not. That's a lady with a whole lot of money. Problem is your values. Your problem is your focus. You're fighting the wrong fight. Here's what the Bible says. The poor are always ruled over by, Proverbs 22 and 7, by the rich. So don't borrow and put yourself under their power. I must not position my life to be ruled by others. Say that with me, please. Come on. I must not position my life to be ruled by others. One more time. Come on. I must not position my life to be ruled by others. They rule you. You, 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 they control your choices. I must build assets, build cash, build assets that give me the ability to empower my future. The question is, how do you get God on board with your plan? And you exclude him. You have the kind of relationship with God that says, God, I love you, but don't ask me for anything. Do you know why I believe in tithing? I believe that tithing, or tithe means tenth. I believe that you honor God. You get ten dollars, you give God one, and that's a tenth of it, and he blesses the nine. Here's what I believe it does. It invites God into your resources. I invite God into my life. I invite God into my prayer. I invite God into my, my activities. I, I acknowledge him in all my ways. I honor him first, and I acknowledge him with all my ways. There's something about what that does. It says something to God. It says something. It unleashes something in your life. Proverbs Malachi 3 says, he opens the windows of heaven, verse 10, and pours out blessings for you. There's something that happens when you focus on your finances. You know, I, I just think we just get so far off, so far off. And it shows. And, and as I say, preachers are just nervous about it. You know, they do this thing for me every, every year. They honor me a couple of times a year and they, they give something. And a lot of times I give it back or give it to me. I'm, I need to stop doing that. Praise God. Stop being afraid of money. Stop, stop being afraid to be blessed. Tell them, it's okay to be blessed. Come on, tell them, it's okay to be blessed. It's okay to receive. It's okay. You know, don't tell your kids don't give you anything. They better bring something, a card, or write on a piece of paper, hello, <laughs> fold it up, do something. It is un, listen to me, it is unhealthy. I want you kids to get this. It's unhealthy to dishonor, not honor people. It's it's unhealthy for us to not remember every year Veterans Day. Every time I can, if I'm around a veteran, or if if I'm in a restaurant and I see a soldier, I almost always offer if they're in line behind me to pay for their meal. I had one turn me down. I think he was just overwhelmed. 
I think he was with his other soldiers. He was an officer, so he didn't want to. I just looked at him. I said, well, that's your blessing you missed today. All the rest of them were like, no, pay, pay. That's okay. We don't know. We were fine. I said, okay, sir. Yes, sir. You're the only one in all these years. I understand. No, I'm not shooting down too bad. But I wanted, I wanted to honor them for what they do. That's the least I can do. I'm not kicking indoors and risking my life. The least I can do. There's something about honor and focusing on it. The last thing I want you to focus on is your schedule. Whoever rules your time rules your life. Whoever rules your time rules your life. Your schedule, if you don't focus on it, it gets out of control. And it becomes this thing that runs you. So teach us, Psalms 90. 12 says in the English Standard Version, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Colossians 4 and 2 says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Luke 14, 28, I love this. I want you to view your schedule now when I read this as a, as a tower you're building. Your schedule is a tower you're building. It's something that, that can change everything in your life. Here's what it says in Luke 14, 28. Which of you intending or desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? The schedule you're on isn't manageable long term. Where does this lead being exhausted this much long term? Ecclesiastes 3 says there is a time and a season for everything. A season for activity. There's a season for inactivity. You have to learn to pause and ask yourself, am I out of control? I think we are. I think we are. And you might say, well, one day it's going to be better. Tell me how. What's your plan? Here's why I think you're, I mean, if, if you're so busy working, and here's, I'll tell you what drives it, finances. You owe too many people. If you didn't owe this many people, you wouldn't have to work that hard. So stop owing people. Change that today. It may take you five years, but go in a different direction. It may take you a year, but you can change your life in a year. Twelve months, your life could be different in many, many ways. And that's going to require you to have a new dream, which is my last thing I want you to focus on. I want you to develop a blessable dream. Here's what I believe. Some dreams you have are not blessable. God cannot give you what you're dreaming of because of the way you run your schedule, the way you manage your money, because you have no clear mission. There's no way to get you to a place of blessing. Your dream of happiness is not possible because of the way you're managing your life. What if you were to pause and say, what is my real dream for my life? What do I see? When I look in the mirror, is this the life I dreamed of? If it's not, what can I do? And that's what we're going to talk about all next year. That's our theme for next year. The one question, if this, if this is not the dream, our relationship is not where I want it to be. Okay, so what do we do? We just kind of exist in misery. You go to your room, I go to my room, we kind of meet up every now and then and wave at each other and then, you know, maybe have a happy moment. Then we go back in our separate spaces and we're just kind of married. Is that marriage? Is that the dream? Is that what you got all dressed up for? 
Is this the existence you want? You're trying to pay this one, swapping bills around, borrowing money from people you're not going to pay back, going around. I mean, they know you down at the gas company. Hey, sister, son, so here she come again with the Holy Ghost. Well, praise the Lord. Y'all know, I want y'all to know my life bill is late and my gas bill too. I got to go there next. It's late. But God is good. Hallelujah. Hey, good church. Pastor Brick preached a great sermon. Can I, can you cut my light back on? Can't even read my Bible in the dark. It's hard. I got a light. How long will you be mad with somebody? Every week you're mad with somebody new. Don't you see there's something wrong with that? Listen to yourself. Listen to yourself. Back your train up for just a moment. How can God bless this? This is not a blessable dream. Today can change. Well, I hope I helped you learn how to fight for a future that you believe in. I want you to be blessable. I want your life to be blessed. But it depends on your willingness to make that bold decision to dream dreams and fight for those dreams. Sometimes in life you lose hope. If you're not careful, you'll spend too much time distracted by things that really don't matter. You'll fight things that don't matter. You're not wrestling against flesh and blood. It's not your cousin or your friend. Sometimes an enemy you can stand against. So go fight and win. God bless. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message from Pastor Ricky Temple. Watch more encouraging messages from Pastor Rick at www.rickytemple.tv. If you'd like a copy of this message, click on the bookstore tab at rickytemple.com where you can watch Pastor Rick live and get information about our ministry. Join us next time for another uplifting message.